0: Welcome to week five. Of address the best. So glad that you are hanging out with us today. Um, I'll say this: uh, one of the things that we do here a lot at One Church TV is we we preach and we teach in series. Uh, so uh, this is the last part of a five week series. So if this is your first time with us today, we're so glad that you're here. Um, but uh, you're kind of coming in at, at the last twenty minutes of the movie, right before the credits roll up. So you're welcome to go and download our One Church app for free, uh, and that's a way that you can get caught up on this series. We believe uh, this series has the potential to be able to change your life uh, because I know teaching it, uh, it has changed mine. So glad that you're here with us today. Also, want to say a huge shout out to those people who are watching this online and those who are in the overflow. So I, I got to meet some of you guys over there. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I want to let you guys know what's happening next week. Next week, uh, Pastor Carlo is starting a new teaching series entitled 99% Pure, where we're going to be going verse by verse through the book of Malachi, Um, or if you're Italian, the the Italian prophet Malachi, um, it's going to be fun. So uh, some of you, you didn't even know Malachi was in the Bible, and it's going to be be a a good time. So all right, let's get down and dirty with week five of Address the Mess, because today I want to talk specifically to those in the room who are Christ followers. If you're a Christian um, and you're kind of just going through the motions of your Christian life and your Christian walk, uh, if you're kind of maybe a little bored with Christianity right now, maybe you've heard all the messes, uh, you've heard all the messages, you've heard all the Bible stories, you know all the songs, and it's just like old hat to you. And you may be in a rut maybe a spiritual rut. And let me say this, uh, I'm not judging you because I have been there. You feel like it's just pedantic, and it's just day by day, and it's like, what is the point? And you're just bored with your spiritual walk. Let me just give you a spiritual wake-up call for you to know that Jesus was not boring. Do you know that? Jesus is was not boring. He didn't live a boring life. In fact, uh, if he was boring, then the Pharisees would have ignored him. But they didn't ignore him. They ended up eventually killing him. There would have been no crowds following Jesus if if he was boring. There would have been no controversy surrounding his life. When When he would have asked the disciples, hey, why don't you follow me? They would have said, uh... Yeah, I got to go home and like wash my chariot, or I need to go power wash my mud house, right? I mean, nobody would have followed Jesus if he lived a boring Christian life. But hear me, Jesus wasn't boring. He was incredibly engaging. Thousands of people hung on his every word as he taught uh, he created tension with his sermons. He said some things that were very unexpected, and he spoke with authority and with courage. In 2,000 years later, we are still thousands, millions of people are hanging out right now and listening and leaning in to what jesus said because he wasn't boring if jesus lived a boring christian life we would not have four accounts matthew mark luke and john of his life and what's remarkable about all of this if jesus didn't live a boring life he doesn't want you to live a boring life as well and he invites you and i today this morning to lean in to his life and to live the way that Jesus lived. No, we may not be able to do miracles like he did. We may not be able to speak to thousands like he did. You and I may never be involved in commanding the wind to stop. But you and I can be involved in building houses for homeless people, protecting them from the wind. You and I may never have the opportunity of raising somebody from the dead. But you and I, we do have the opportunity to be able to lean into a couple whose marriage is dying and bring that back from death. You may not be turning water into wine anytime soon, but God invites you to help bring clean water to a third world country. And the reason why I feel so passionately about this and the reason why we're culminating with this week is simply because I have been bored. I have have had the long yawn when it comes to Christianity. And, and the reason why is because it was my Christian life and my Christian life was kind of separated from all the other parts of my life so much that it was kind of like a useless appendage. But it was there, and it really did nothing, and it really didn't provide anything from the outside world. It was just kind of alone by itself. And if that's how your Christian life is, if it's just rele- relegated to Sunday morning, and your, your Christianity and your relationship with God doesn't influence Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and Saturday, I'm telling you, you're bored. And the thing I, I want to just give you today is just, if you consider the Christian life boring, then buckle up. Because today is for you. And if you're not here and if you're not a Christian, that's okay. You get to watch all the other Christians squirm today. But if you're here and it's on autopilot, let me tell you, there is a way out of your boredom. Today I'm going to share with you the secret of getting out of the boredom of the Christian life. But it's going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to require you to do something. And it's going to get a little messy. One day, Jesus had a conversation with a lawyer. Do you know Jesus hung out with lawyers, right? That's kind of crazy, right? How many of y'all like hanging out with lawyers? Like, no one, right? Unless you are a lawyer, and you could give us tons of lawyer jokes, right? But Jesus was hanging out with the crowd, and there was this lawyer there, this religious lawyer who wanted to trap and to test Jesus. Look at what it says in Luke 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to do what? test jesus so this guy really isn't interested in following jesus or even getting the question answered he's trying to trap jesus teacher he asked what must i do to inherit eternal life look at those words there what must i do to inherit eternal life by the way the only people that ask questions like that are religious people right Nobody's really concerned about eternal life today. They're concerned about this life. They're concerned about how can I pay the bills next week? How can I get my spouse to love me better today? How can I become a better parent? How can I not get fired? How can I get get more money at the end of my month? So already this guy, this religious insider, is trying to trap Jesus with some spiritual and theological minutia. But Jesus doesn't take the bait. In fact, Jesus doesn't even answer his question about eternal life. Jesus comes back, you guessed it, with another question. This is what he says. What is written in the law, Jesus replied? How do you read it? So debating with the lawyer, he asked a question. What do you think it is? He answered, the lawyer answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and... And we all heard this, right? Whether you're not Christian or not, religious or church person or not, love your neighbor how? As yourself. And the attorney, the lawyer, rightly so quoted back the appropriate scripture. He quotes from the Torah, specifically Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, the Shema passage, this famous line, this famous verse that you and I know is we are to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus answered, you've replied, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Jesus says, you got it. You nailed it. You picked the right one. Just go and do that. And as Jesus was turning to go, the lawyer wanted a loophole. He wanted to justify himself. So he kept on going. He shouldn't have. But he kept on going. He simply asked this question, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who is this neighbor I'm obligated to love? Don't just tell me how to love my neighbor. Which neighbor and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus did what Jesus did. Guess what? He launched into a story. You know, Jesus told stories with a point. We call them parables. Some of you, you tell stories with no point. And it's boring. Jesus wasn't boring, right? He told stories to a point, and the point he's going to get us is, who is my neighbor? And here's what he says. In reply, Jesus says, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and it says down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So it's descending greatly, and these this road had a lot of turns and a lot of ticks. And here, along this road, robbers would like just camp out, and they would steal from people. They stripped him of his clothes. He fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes because clothes were very valuable in that day. They beat him, and they left him. They went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, I'm sure humming Amazing Grace. And when he saw the man, he passed by to the other side so to a levite now hear me if the priest was like the preacher the levite was like a staff member these were two people who were paid to be good right so this levite when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side and then jesus smiled and he smiled this smile that he knew he always smiled when he was about to zing somebody and then he said this verse 33 but a samaritan And I think Jesus paused there because half the audience is now thinking, okay, there's no way this Samaritan is going to stop and help this Jew because Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They were kind of like Democrats and Republicans. You just didn't get along. The Jews and the Samaritans hated one another. And the other half of the audience thought, okay, here's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to make the bad guy, the Samaritan, the good guy. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and look at this. He took care of him. If that wasn't enough, Jesus kind of twists the knife as he's telling the story. The next day, he took out two silver coins, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. I'm coming back this way. And I want you to check on the stranger. And then Jesus turns to the attorney, and Jesus pulls out of the parable, and he says to the attorney and to the audience and to perhaps you and me this morning, he asks this question, which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And everybody in the audience and everybody in this audience, we would simply say it's this. The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him and told us, go and what? Do likewise. Go and do likewise. (laughs) Easier said than done. Although there's something in you, and there's something inside of me, and there's something inside all of us that knows that you and I should go and do likewise. When we see someone in need, when we see someone who has a need that you and I can meet, When we see messy people, even though they've messed up their own lives, there's something inside of us that says we should go and do likewise. But that's hard. And it's hard to figure out who. And it's hard to figure out when. And it's hard to figure out where are we going to find the time and the resources to do that. And do I really want to get involved? You see the question on the screen behind me? Do I really want to? to get involved, how you answer that question really does determine whether or not you get bored in the Christian life. How you answer this question will determine whether or not you stay comfortable or whether or not you take a risk and get uncomfortable and the bo- and the Christian life gets exciting for you. Or will you just... <gasps> You see, as a church, here at OneChurch.tv, our posture towards our community, towards people who are dealing with messy things, messy financial things, messy relationship things, messy drug addiction things, our posture and our response is simply this, that we walk towards the message. We walk towards the messes. We're not going to issue policy papers on where we stand and what we and where we say. We're not going to picket, we're not going to do protest, we're not going to do any of that. What we do at our church is we love. And we love everyone. We teach God's truth and we love and we're not going to take stand against cultural issues. We're not going to be when confronted by a specific person or somebody who's trying to paint us into a corner to hate this individual or say we're not going to have this over here. You know, I mean, let me tell you a little bit about Jesus. Jesus, who was the perfect son of God, who had perfect theological stances on everything, he never allowed his beliefs to keep him to ministering to everyone. And we're going to be like Jesus on that. If somebody, But what if somebody shows up and fill in the blank? You know what? We're going to love them. We're going to teach God's word and we're going to love them. And we believe that we can do that. We are going to move towards the mess. A lot of the things that I'm going to share with you today comes out of a book that's entitled Move Towards the Mess by Dr. John Hamburg. And I love, I love the, the, the subtitle for this, The Ultimate Fix for the Boring Christian Life. And as we're going to see, if you don't want to be bored, then you're going to need to answer this question: Do I really want to get involved in someone's messy life? And 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 if, if the, whatever the answer to that question is, is going to determine whether or not you stay bored. And let me answer this this way: um, There was a time in my life, like I said, I was I was dealing with this boredom. I just started going to seminary. This was in 1993, and I was at Dallas Theological Seminary. And I loved going to seminary. I loved learning all of this heady stuff and theological stuff about eschatology and homardiology and soteriology and uh, sanctification and ecclesiology and all of this, all these ologies type of thing. But I was also wanting to get into ministry. And But the problem was I had no ministry experience, no paid ministry experience. So I would go and I would, uh, hey, I, I'm looking for a youth pastor job. Are you willing to hire me? No, you don't have any paid ministry experience. And I'd go to another, you don't have any paid. And after a while, I just got frustrated because I'm like, how can I get ministry experience if you're not willing to pay me, right? So I just started doing it. And, I, and finally, a church opened up, a church called Spring Creek Community Church in Garland, Texas. Uh, Keith Stewart was the pastor there, and he took a chance on me, and he hired me. And I'll never forget my first Wednesday hanging out with the youth. I drove up to the strip mall. That's where the church used to be at. And there were 13 teenagers all out in the parking lot smoking. And again, I'd grown up in church all my life. I'd never smoked a cigarette, never have smoked a cigarette. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to kill me. So I remember going in at uh, 6 o'clock, and I taught the Bible with them there, and it was, it was kind of fun. It was engaging. And then they said, sweet. I prayed. They all went out into the parking lot, and they lit up. And they went, you want one, pasta?" And I'm like, uh, no, I'm good, right? I, but it, it was so awkward for me. It was so uncomfortable for me. And I'm thinking, How, what am I going to do? I mean, where do I even start with these kids? And I remember just being out in the parking lot. They were just being so real. And they said, hey, pastor, would you would you pray for me? Uh, I found out me and my girlfriend were pregnant. We're trying to figure out are we going to abort the baby or not. Another one said, you know, I, I actually, I just got out because I tried committing suicide last week. and I tried ODing on some pills. And my mom kind of has me on lockdown. And, um, man, if you could just... Pray for me about this, and then another one uh, said, uh, "This one girl, she was cutting herself all the time, and she had these scars all over her uh, her arms." And she says, "You know, I I struggle, I struggle with uh, dropping acid." And I'm like, "Wow!" I just, uh, and I remember, we, you know, I prayed for him, and and I was just thinking, where do I begin with it? Do I, where I want to begin is, "Hey, you need to stop smoking. You're gonna get lung cancer, right?" Or you need to stop dropping acid. That's a no-brainer. You need to stop having sex. You need to stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. That's where I wanted to start. But praise God, I had enough wisdom to realize that's not where I needed to start. You need to listen to this. Because some of you, that's what you think of Christianity. Stop, 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 stop. Right? And I realized if I just, if I started with all the stops, what I would do is I would make them a whole lot better Individuals, whatever that looks like, who still was lost and didn't have a relationship with their heavenly father so as we as I kind of process through that and how to love on them and minister to them, uh, what I just says I realized I just needed to I needed to become their friends I needed to get involved in their life I needed to build a relationship with them and love them the way Jesus loved them and yes speak truth but not shy away from their mess. And yes, it was difficult for me, and it was uncomfortable for me, but let me tell you, i put shoe leather to learning all the stuff I was learning in seminary there. And here's the tension we all face. You and I meet people every day who need help, who are just hot messes. And we are faced with that question, are you going to move towards them and get into their mess, or are you going to just stay where you're at? Because for those 13 students, they became the guy in the parable for me, the wounded guy on the side of the road. And these students were wounded in different ways, but they were just as wounded as the guy that Jesus told the story about. And I made the decision, I'm not going to be another Christian that walks on and by them and and, and say, stop, 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 stop. I am going to love them. And I am not going to give them a reason to be angry at the church. I don't know if those two years, that they changed their life. I think it did. But let me tell you, it changed my life. Christianity wasn't boring for me no longer because I got involved outside of my comfort zones and into somebody else's mess. Now, here's the thing. There's going to be three things. If you're going to to cease being boring about the Christian life, and if you want to move towards the mess, there's going to be three hurdles you're going to overcome. The first one is this. It's convenient. It's just convenience. Moving towards the mess is not very convenient. Why? Because we're so what? Busy. If I asked, how many of y'all just aren't that busy? Nobody would raise their hands. Because we all have 24 hours, and you feel it in some way. Now, some of you, you feel it by playing Can You Crush and watching cats on YouTube. But if I asked you, are you busy? Oh, pastor, whoo! I just can't. I can't. I can't walk another thing into my schedule. All right, you, because we're all busy doing something, right? But here's the thing about busyness. Sometimes we become so busy that we don't have enough room in our lives for messy people. In fact, when somebody who's messy shows up in our life, we get kind of irritated. We think, how dare you get into my perfectly managed, orchestrated, hyper-planned life? I don't have enough time for you. So it's a matter of convenience. Let's go back to the verses. A priest came down, going down the same road, and we saw the man, he passed by. A Levite, when he came to the place, he passed by. The priest and the Levite had no margin of of space in their busy life. They were busy folks, and they weren't busy doing bad things. I'm sure they were going to the temple and going to church and, 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 and teaching Bible studies on how they can better love other people. They probably were going to church and rushing there, and saying, "I just man, I'm leading this Bible study on how we can make an impact on our community." All the while, they missed it because they passed by. The priest and the Levite didn't have any time in their life. Are you that way? Are you just too busy? Let me give you a, an awful question to further, figure out whether or not you're too busy or not. You'll know that you're too busy when messy people are inconveniences rather than opportunities. Are people inconvenient for you? Or do you see them as an opportunity? Next thing is comfort. We like convenience, and gosh, do we like our comfort. Moving toward the mess is not particularly comfortable. And hear me, our culture prizes comfort. We work towards comfort, right? In fact, one day you hope to do what? Retire. You want to fight, figure out, go to a beach somewhere. You want to get in a hammock, buy a Lazy Boy, and just, don't you? You just want to relax like that. You want to stay, you want to get to your comfort zone. In fact, we even use that term, comfort zone. Let me tell you about our comfort zones. Comfort zones. John Maxwell says this, if we're growing, we're always going to be outside our comfort zone. So if you're not growing spiritually, it's because you're comfortable. There's nothing wrong with comfort zones, don't get me wrong. They're a great place to recuperate, but they're not a great place to live because nothing much happens inside our comfort zone. If you spend too much time there, it starts to get boring. We will never meet the best version of ourselves Inside our comfort zone. Never. We will never meet the best version of ourselves inside our comfort zone. But if you choose to get out of your comfort zone, there you will grow. That God uses the chaos, the uncomfortable circumstances to mold us and to shape us. That's where you and I grow. And again, the Levite and the priest, they didn't want to get messy. They didn't want to be inconvenienced. And when we get outside our comfort zone, when we get inconvenienced, that's where we grow. It's like lifting weights. Some of you, you lift weights. And as you lift weights, let me tell you how you get your muscles to grow. By the way, that's me. Um, The key to getting your muscles to grow isn't lifting one really, really heavy thing once right? You're going to hurt yourself that way. The key to building muscle mass is to lift something that's a little outside of your comfort zone again and again and again and again. It's the repetition and it's called resistance training. If you choose to live your life in comfort, boredom is inevitable. In fact, that's our big idea today. If we insist on comfortable, boredom is inevitable. Can you say that with me? If we insist on boredom is... That was awful. Can we do that one more time, please? Some of you, if you're asleep, welcome back. All right? Let's say this. If we insist on boredom is... And this goes right to the heart and to the fixed of the boring Christian life. That if you want to make, if if you just want to be comfortable, and as a pastor from time to time, I get emails from people saying, Chris, I'm leaving the church. Or I get, I talk to people who've showed up at one church and says, I've left another church and I'm coming to one church. And and, and usually they say something like this, I just, I'm not getting anything out of it. Or I want to go deeper. But every time I have a a conversation with those individuals or couples and I scratch beneath the surface whether they're leaving one church or they're coming to one church, they're just comfortable. And they think if I go to a different church and I get different information, then it's going to pump me up and invigorate my Christian life. And it never works. Why? Because they're focused on themselves and they're focused on, listen, their comfort. So if you're here... And the Christian life is all about you, and it's consumerism, and I I want this, and I want this, and I want this. Let me tell you, if you make it all about you, you will eventually get bored. Following Jesus has never been boring, and it only becomes boring when we stop following Jesus and we make it all about us. Anytime you make the Christian life all about you, boredom is inevitable. There's a third issue when it comes to being bored in our Christian life, and the issue is control. When, when you're moving toward the mess, the we're not in control. And that bothers us. Because some of you, you like being in control. Let me see your hands. You like being in control. Let me see you. All right. Now, those people who are not raising their hands, you're liars. Right? Everybody, you want to be in control of your situation. Right? You are. Right? And, again, back to my first youth pastorate job. What I wanted to do is I wanted to go and I wanted to start controlling their behavior and stop this, and start doing this, and stop doing this. And I got so frustrated until I realized it's not up to me, that I'm not in control, God is. God doesn't want me to control these students. God doesn't want me to fix these students. God wants me to just be there and to love those students. Nobody likes to be fixed, not even a dog. So from that experience, you take that to the bank, by the way. You can tweet that one. Come on, Matthews. Control People aren't projects. People do not like to be projects. But when we stop trying to control their behavior and we stop trying to manage behavior and our goal is simply just to be with people and to love them, then the pressure is off. We can proclaim truth, but if they never change, it's on God. It's not on us. So as I close, what is the real win for Christians? You see, the real win for Christians, there's three. I Let me just tick through them really quickly. First of all, if we're, you and I are willing to move towards the Mass, just like the person in the parable and the story that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan, then people are going to be helped. The people are going to be healed. Marriages are going to be encouraged. They're not going to be quite so lonely. And they're going to know that somebody cares for them. Secondly, if we hit critical Mass as a church on this, and not just our church, but every church then we have the opportunity to change what our culture thinks about christianity in the church because let's be honest christianity in the church has gotten a bad rap in the 20th and 21st century you whatever if you read the same polls that i read the church is not highly thought of in america these days for the most part they tend to think of us as religious people who walk by suffering people because we're on our way to some sort of religious meeting and nobody knows what they do in those religious meetings, and they definitely don't do anything in a religious meeting. It's like going to a huddle to a football game, right? I mean, that last Super Bowl was absolutely amazing because, I, I, I mean, third, fourth quarter, you were on the edge of your seat. And gosh, when it went into OT, but nobody paid $5,000 for a ticket to watch some guys in a huddle. What they want to see is what you're going to do when you get out of your huddle. The problem is, Christians, we stay in our huddle and we do nothing except criticize. So lastly, this may be the biggest benefit for us as Christians. Moving towards the mess can move us from boredom to engagement. A lot of people think that the opposite of boredom is entertainment, but I don't think that's true, at least in not any meaningful sort of way. Entertainment is fun for a season, but after a while, it gets boring. Why? How do I know this? It is February, and are your children still playing with the gifts that you got them for Christmas? No. Half your kids don't even, know where, they don't even know where the gifts are at anymore, right? And they're bored, right? Entertainment is not the fix. I think the real solution to boredom is being engaged. Let me tell you. Listen to this. Christians that are the most excited about their Christian faith... Are Christians who are engaged with God's activity in the world. No comparison. They see where God is moving and they get on board. It's the opportunity of engagement in the Christian experience. And again, you saw CJ. CJ, man, in fact, let me show you another picture of CJ. This is one of our core values. And I love CJ's picture on this. This is a few years ago. But one of the things that we believe here at One Church is that save people, serve people save people, serve people, that the church does not exist for us, but we are the church and we exist for who? The world. But yet so many of us, when we come to church, we're like this. What can you do for me? And it's all about us. But that's not what God calls us to because save people, serve people. CJ has been hanging out with these kids for years and he gets to baptize Donovan. Man, that rocks my socks off. Do you think that, Don, that CJ prays for Donovan? You better believe he does. Let me give you another example from my own home life. We have over 150 volunteers here at one church. But this guy right here, his name is Jed, and he's my son. He's our one of our three. He's 12 years old. And let me tell you a little bit about Jed. Is He believes that save people serve people. And let me tell you, it's not easy being the son of a of a preacher man. All three of my boys would agree with that. Everyone is always watching them, holding them to a different standard. Always hear about it when one of them messes up. And you know what? At the end of the day, they're just kids. They they screw up. But let me tell you about my son Jed. Jed serves every Sunday here at One Church. He helps out with our one-way street environment, our kindergarten through third grade. He serves every Sunday. We ask all of our volunteers to serve one and to go to one. Why? Because we don't want them to burn out. Don't just serve and burn out. Serve one and go to one. Serve a service and go to a church service. And he serves every Sunday. But let me just also tell you a little bit about Jed's heart. Not long ago, I went into Jed's bedroom in our house and he was crying. And I said, dude, what's going on? And you know what he said? He had been inviting his friends to church. In fact, let me just show you a picture. This is kind of a creepy picture. Um, But he is a... You you can go. One more. Let's go one more with the picture. Thank you. So, wait for it. Change. There you go. Thank you. This is Jed. And this is right before I put him to bed. So, he's like almost asleep. And I took a picture of him. And I want to show you something. Not only my wife says you need to address the mess uh, on, on, on his bookshelf, right? But I want to zoom in on the bookshelf. By the way, 8E4, you see that thing flashing? That's somebody who's, thank you. All right, good. All right, let's zoom in a little bit. All right, go to that next picture. Change. Thank you. All right, you see what this is right over here? Those are one church invite cards. Another one of our values here is that found, find, found people find people. And one of the things that Jed his heart for is he's been texting his friends. He sees people at school. He hands out these invite cards. And what broke his heart that night as he was crying is he was texting his friend and been inviting him to Wednesday night to Inside Out. Every Wednesday night, six, it's, it's from 630 to 8 at the one church offices. And he's been inviting this kid, inviting this kid. And eventually the, the friend just texted him this. He says, my parents don't believe in God and neither do I. So please stop inviting me and Jed with tears in his eyes he asks this question what's going to happen to my friend if he doesn't come to know Jesus i want my friend to know this god that loves me so much again let me ask you the question do you think jed prays for his friend absolutely he does imagine the emotion that jed experiences every day as a christian because he's willing to get uncomfortable and move towards the mess, and he chooses to step in. So let me ask you a question. What keeps you from moving towards the mess? Is it just inconvenient? You're just too busy? Or maybe you're just too comfortable. Maybe it's not very convenient. Let me tell you, guys, if I can just preach for a little bit. My 12-year-old son is out serving many of you. Because all you do is you show up, and you sit and you soak, and you start to sour, and you think something's wrong with one church, something is wrong with you. Oh, I just I need to drop the mic right now. Thank you. Because, and listen, I'm not trying to get all up in your grill, but don't blame us when the Christian life is boring for you. Don't do that. And let me tell you how you can make it unboring is you can start to engage. Some of you, you can start to serve. You can get up off the bench and quit complaining about how the game is going and get into the game. You can start to serve. I'm going to be at the next steps table. I can help you out with that. Some of you, you just need to get into a community group. I mean, you're so lonely and you have no friends. And let me tell you, my heart goes out for you with that. Let us help you with that. Let us get you into communion group. Some of you, you're like, you just don't give. And let me tell you, I put my money where my heart is. And some of you, your heart isn't here because you haven't, you've never given a dime here. You're not engaged. You've never invited anyone like my son Jed. I'm inviting you. Take a step. Take a step. Move towards the mess. Because if you're, and if let me say, if you're here and you're not a church person, you're not a Christ follower, and you're like, this is like a, a new thing for you. If you want to know how to make a difference, we are your people. We are your people. But my encouragement as we close is simply this. Don't make it all about you. Don't make the Christian life all about getting what you want and what you need, and it's all about your comfort and your convenience. Because let me tell you, my Savior that I serve, he wasn't that way. Two verses, and I'm done. I'm going to quote them. This is Luke 19.10. This is Jesus' mission statement. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to serve those who are lost, to seek and to find those people who are far from God. That's Luke 19.10. Let me give you another one. Mark 10.45. That Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Some of you, you need to hear those verses. That it's not about you. And it's not about you being served, but you serving and giving. So what's keeping you? What's keeping you? What's keeping you on the bench? Get up. I promise you, you will be bored no longer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much, God, that we can come here today. And I thank you so much, God, that just in my life, in my experiences, times where I've been bored and I've been yawning and I'm like, well, okay, I've heard this. I know this story. I've read this Bible verse. God, I've read the Bible through so many times and it only gets boring when I stop following So, God, I just pray for everyone in here. I pray that we would no longer be a church for people just to sit and to soak and to sour and to complain and to make it all about us. That's not what you, that's not the reason why you came. You came to move towards our mess. And while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And, God, I pray that for some of us, we just need to experience your love for the very first time. And for other, others of us, God, we need you to renew the spirit that you gave us years ago. And, Lord, that only happens when we get our mind and our eyes off of us and put it on God and put it on other people. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for coming and addressing our mess, Jesus Christ. I'll be lucky for it. It's in Jesus' great big name, we pray.